All of a sudden, it is mid-February, getting deep in the 810 schedule, deep in the season altogether. And with that, we say hello to a brand to you on a brand new edition of the Keith Ergo Show. You're inside looking forward to men's basketball with the head coach, Keith Ergo. I'm Andrew Bogus, always happy to be along for the ride. Coach, coming off your second bye week of the season. How are things going? How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, thank you, everybody. But um, doing well. Like um, like I mentioned before we started the call, like, um, you know, our practice today was one of the best and not the best that we've had all year long. So, you know, doing really well, took took advantage of the time off. Um, people have been asking, what have you done? Really, not a whole lot. We, we, we tried to get as healthy as possible, give as much mental and physical rest as we possibly could um, with some individuals and a couple of light team practices until today. Um, and, and the energy, and I think the energy in the building today was as good as it's been in a very long time. So hopefully the way that we went about it, we, we, we honestly did pretty much the same structure as we did the first bye week. Was that set up a direct result of your results this year? Or would you have done that no matter what, whether you were 20 and two or two and 20, giving guys a break to just do a reset here late in the season? I would have done the same thing no matter what. It wouldn't have mattered if we were 20 and 0 or two and 20, whatever it was. You know, we, we would have done the same thing right now. Um, I don't care if you got a young team, old team. Fortunately, I've been in it long enough to know that, that, that this, this stretch we're about to go on. I think we play four games in like 12 days or something. Every two two days we got a game, two on the road. Um, you, you gotta keep guys fresh mentally, physically. A couple of guys have gotten sick over the course of the last couple of days. We were coming off some injuries. It's really important to try to get as much health, both mentally and physically, and rest as you possibly can, because this last four weeks is nonstop and it'll be over before you know it. Uh, it's nonstop, and there's some big name teams, St. Bonaventure in the Rose Hill gym, a ranked Dayton team over the weekend. Um, and I, you know, the last time I saw you was the VCU game, and that was a Tuesday coming off a Saturday game. And for some reason, Tuesday night felt rushed. Did you, is that, and you got another one coming up here soon? Is Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night coming off a weekend game a little bit of an odder setup for you guys? Well, without a doubt, it's a two day prep. So no matter what happens, you, you know, you're not really going to do much on a Sunday, you know, and Monday you're going to try to ramp it back up to, to get prepared for your opponent. Um, you know, so, uh, it, it's definitely more difficult, um, but you can look at it either way, right? If you're on a in a rhythm, it's great because you just continue to stay in a rhythm. If you're not in a rhythm, you're like, oh, oh no. Um, or you could potentially be like, okay, well, hey, best part about basketball is we get to pick ourselves up on the mat and we'll, we'll play again to, to to erase what just happened two days later. We don't have to sit here and dwell on the on the negative. So you can look at it either way. We just try to you know, keep our guys and and buy minds and bodies as fresh as we possibly can. Cause um, we got two day prep, I think uh, at least I think twice. In yeah. The next, Dayton into Davidson is definitely Saturday to Tuesday. Yeah. And then I think it goes what um, then it goes Saturday, like Wednesday, Friday or something like that. Yeah. Five games in, in two weeks, kind of nuts. Uh, we'll get back to basketball in just a second. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Did you watch it with your family, with the guys? What'd you do for uh, for the game on Sunday? So we um, we actually had a little home cooked meal from Jameer Tripp's mother, cooked from scratch. A huge meal for the entire team that we had in their apartment, which everybody came over and grabbed the massive plate. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but then I left that and I went to a little uh, get together that my uh, my son's. Um, uh, friends, friends of, you know, parents of my son's friends had and uh, a bunch of just ridiculous food. And we watched the whole game and, you know, 
it was an unbelievable football game. Sloppy at times, but still, you couldn't ask for anything more. If you're a fan watching, you know, I, I didn't have any skin in the game. So I was just, I was enjoying just great finishing, great football. I mean, you got to see just some amazing coaching, some amazing playing. Um, you know, went a little late, so this morning was rough, but awesome, awesome. <laughs> Couldn't have asked for anything more from a football game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, because we spent a lot of time Monday morning on my regular job talking about multiple Niner players and that they didn't know what the overtime setup was for a playoff game because it's different than the regular season. Yeah. is. And your first thought is that's coaching malpractice, but then you realize that sometimes guys don't listen. So maybe Kyle <laughs> Shanahan said it and guys weren't paying attention when he laid it out for him. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I'm willing to bet they went over absolutely every detail. But wasn't that like a new rule they just created? Um, they were cre they created it after the previous Chiefs Super Bowl when they lost, where they never touched the ball in overtime. So now in postseason overtime, no matter what happens, both teams get a possession. That was the new wrinkle that we had never seen before Sunday. And that is definitely the way, honestly, it should be. You shouldn't just, you know, so you shouldn't decide that the, the biggest event in sports, at least in this country, on a coin toss. I mean, that's yeah. just, it's insane, All, you know. But so I, I I like that new rule. Now, the one thing I wasn't sure of is if they didn't score at the end of the clock, would it flip over to a second quarter? Yeah. And apparently that is the case. Yeah. Which I, they... That's the one thing I wasn't quite sure. And everybody's like, oh my God, they're letting the clock run out. Yeah. But apparently they would have moved on no matter what, which and... it's kind of interesting. That, that rule's interesting. Yeah, and it only would have mattered. I mean, it literally is a new game starting. So the only reason why the clock matters is because if you kept going, like there would have been a two-minute warning again. There would have been booth review only in the last two minutes. Like they, it's it's literally starting a game from scratch with the weird caveat of it maybe becoming sudden death at some point. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, I would have thought that you would just, in overtime, it would be booth reviews. You just want to get everything right. And it was like, but, you know, I guess it makes sense now. Yeah. I mean, definitely need obviously need the uh, the shot clock, so the play clock, so so to speak. Um, I thought the game was awesome. I mean, and, and we're witnessing greatness, man. We yeah. are witnessing arguably, you know, the second. He's certainly the second best quarterback maybe in history already. You know, one of the best coaches, if not the best, in the history of the game. One of the best tight ends to ever play the game, if not the best. Right? I mean, yeah. it's pretty incredible. And you could argue and say Spagnuolo is one of the best defense coordinators you've ever seen. Um, you know, he might be number one. Didn't he do it with the Giants? Now he's done it with two different teams. Two with right. the Giants, two with the Chiefs. I think he's the only coordinator to be part of four Super Bowl wins, offense or defense. Yeah, so you could say he might be the best defense coordinator of all time. I don't yeah. know. Um, let's get back to your your team here for just a second. I can't offer you anything basketball-wise to break <laughs> out of this home funk, but I've got two yeah. things for you. We spent time on this podcast a year ago talking about you coming out of the, the your your office, the locker room, and getting a soda from the concession stands pregame, which you're not doing anymore. So I want to throw it out there. Do you want us to bring you a diet, whatever, and you can Incorrect. get it from the scores I've table? I've done it like five times. Oh, but I can't see you now because you used know. to be well, in the that's, gym. That's the problem because ah, okay. you used to be right in the gym. I have to go back in the arcade, as they call it. And I've gotten them from them. Uh, and I've, I, I believe me, I did it like on purpose about four or five times. It didn't work. Hey, what's going on? Got to see Andrew's wife in the background. Um, but, but so she can't help with basketball either. She's worse <laughs> than me. 
So I've actually tried it all and I've done it on the road. I've had Diet Coke, so I've done it at home. Then I stopped to see if that would make a difference. And unfortunately, absolutely nothing's made a difference at home. All right. So that's my first suggestion. It's immediately out the window. The other is I have a maroon suit that I wore to the Columbia (laughs) game, which was the last time you guys won in the building. It's been to the dry cleaners. I can break it out on Wednesday if you ask. I mean, I'm asking you right now, wear it exactly i want you to put it on the same time you put it on last time i want you to do absolutely every possible thing you did at the exact same time when you when you before the columbia game we need absolute all good mojo we could possibly get now i wore it because it was december 30th i think and it matched a christmas tie i have so do you need the christmas tie as well on on valentine's day now i wouldn't mind it that makes okay. sense right if it's as long as it's you know red on valentine's day we'll take it Okay, okay, fair enough. You I mean, got how much it. of a great I, teammate are you? Yeah, so, no, this is what I can do for you. I appreciate that. The problem is I couldn't go to Dayton or Davidson if you went on Wednesday. So I'm only available for home games at the moment. That's even better. I mean, right now we're doing pretty well on the road. So we need some home mojo. You know what's, what um, has stood out to me with the home games? And I don't know if this is an actual thing or just kind of happenstance, but all of the individual good games that your guys have had have been on the road. Kyle's two 20-point games have been road games. Antrell's five threes were at GW. Elijah's best offensive game was at GW, the big shot at St. Louis. I, I don't know, again, if that's just coincidence or if that's part of something that maybe you see as something that you need to kind of fix or get over or address on your home floor. No, we don't talk about individual play too much. I mean, guys know, look, these guys are working so hard. They want to win as badly. They want to win more than anybody else, right? I know fans are disappointed. Uh, You know, coaches are disappointed, like, right, in the outcomes that we've had, the inconsistency. But these guys are working. They want to win just as badly as everybody else. But, you know, with a younger group, a little bit immature at times, we've allowed making or missing shots for whatever reason at home to, to enter into our emotional state and dictate our effort on the defensive end. And we talked a lot today in the last couple of days about the fact that we're giving up 77 points a game, right? And, and the in league, I mean, we're making almost nine threes per game, but we're giving up six. That looks great. Right. But no, because they're shooting 50%, almost nearly 50% from three, even though they're only making six per game. So, you know, we say our identity is is tough, nasty, defending and rebounding. And we're not doing that at a very high level at home. We do it in spurts. We haven't been able to put it together consistently at home. And because I think everybody's got a little bit more pressure on them. You know, their their, their families are in the stands. Everybody's such a good kid that they want to do, they want to play their best in front of, you know, people. Well, you know, we got to get to the point where we're only focused on the 94 by 50 and we can't control anything on the outside. We just got to focus and control what we can control on the inside. And I think, you know, when it's fun, it's like a catch. We have a lot of talented guys, right. Who can make plays. And when we're struggling to score and things aren't going necessarily our way, everybody wants to just help us get back on track right away. Um, instead of just kind of staying with, with, within the game plan. Um, and, and that's kind of what's happened in some of our home games. You know, we, we've been like the other night we were putting a, a lot of stops together. We just weren't able to score on the offensive end. 
And then there'd be six or seven possessions where nobody would score. And all of a sudden they'd hit a three or hit a two. And then we'd come back. We'd be like, we got to get it all back. And we take a bad shot. And then all of a sudden they get a run out, hit a three or get a foul. Right. Um, and, and so it's, we've got to prevent those types of things and types of runs from happening. You know, we got to get to the free throw line more at home. We're giving up an outrageous amount of free throws, almost 24 free throws per game in the Atlantic 10. That's the difference. I mean, when you're talking about some of these games that we're losing at home or in the Atlantic 10, all you got to look is the free throw disparity and the free throw, you know, we're, we're, we're making six less free throws per game than our opponent. And, and you know, they're really two to three possession games. Um, and, and that's, and that's the difference. Um, we got to be able to defend without fouling. And then, you know, we got to do a better job of being a little bit more physical with the ball in our hands. You know, I thought VCU did a tremendous job in the second half of playing really tough and physical. We were getting where we wanted to get. We got into the paint. We we got open looks that we weren't sticking. But when we got into the paint, we weren't, we missed too many bunnies. We, we, we weren't making shots at the rim. We weren't being physical and playing off two feet, right? Um, and so we got out of rhythm a little bit, and and that's happening, you know, in stretches, and we've got to prevent that. And and the actual, I think Jeff Amador addressed the team and actually mentioned that specifically today at the end of practice. And, um, you know, we're getting better individually. We got four guys averaging double digits. I mean, we're, we're scoring 10 more points per contest than last year's team. The only problem is I think we're giving up 14 more points than last year's team. So, you know, it's, it's, we got to be able to put it all together where we're scoring it like we are. And then also we've got to get more nasty defensively. And a lot of that has to do with communication and trust on the defensive end Um, for whatever reason at home. I get, I think on the road, we're just a little bit more connected because it's, it's us against everybody else. And uh, you've already touched on this, but it's worth pointing out again here um, for for fans that follow your guys on social media, in particular, Kyle and, and Antrell. I mean, Kyle in particular is always posting about um, being, you know, the heartbreak of losing or celebrating a win, or he's at the gym at you know midnight, empty gym shooting. Like it certainly seems like um, commitment, energy. None of those things are your issue right now. No, today's practice, you know, if you had come into today's practice, I'm pretty confident you wouldn't have known if we had lost or won seven in a row or lost seven in a row. Either way, the energy, the positivity, the staff, the guys, I mean, they're putting in incredible work and you could see the individual development. Guys like Ramadine are playing as good a basketball as they ever had. So is Elijah Gray, despite the fact that he had a rough one the other day. Kyle Rose's numbers are through the roof and playing his best basketball. You know, um, Abdu's kind of coming back to his energy and, and and level he's more healthy than he's been Jaffe looked more like himself the other day so he hopefully will hit the rhythm will richardson's numbers offensively have improved dramatically over the course of the last five six games so you know we've just got to do a, a better job on the defensive end uh, we got to be able to stop guys from beating off uh, beating us off the dribble um, and take a lot more pride in just doing your job and keeping your man in front of you um, and, and be more disciplined I think at home, for whatever reason, everybody's trying to make a play and they're reaching a little too much. And then we're out of position and we got to overhelp and kick out three or then we we, we reach and we put them on the free throw line. Um, we've got to be more solid and disciplined and do our jobs, win our individual matchups at home on the defensive end, which I think we're doing a much better job for whatever reason on the road. 
Um, we got to do it on. We got to be more consistent on, at home on that end, on the defensive end. Now, one of your road wins was at Bonaventure. That's your next game. I think this is the first time you're playing somebody for a second time in A10. Does that make this setup to prep any different when you're seeing somebody for the second time in a season? No, not for us. I mean, it, you know, the guys understand what's going to be happening, right? At this stage, everybody knows what everybody else is going to do. Um, you take away your first, second option. Such great coaches in this league. Coach Schmidt being one of the best. You know, offensively, they run so many different things, so many different wrinkles. For us, it's not even about necessarily what the opponent's going to be running or doing. Uh, we focus on personnel, of course, and how we're going to close out on guys. But for the most part, it's about us. Um, the way we defend really takes you out of what you want to do offensively anyway. Um, so we don't get caught up in what the opposing team is doing too much because it's not going to dictate how we defend for the most part. Individual defense on a specific guy understanding what their tendency is, whether or not they go right or left or whether or not they like step backs going left or right or which way we're weaking on a ball screen. Those are important based off of personnel. But for the most part, we just need to continue the process of, of communicating and trusting each other and becoming more together uh, as our, as a team. We can't get caught up too much in, in what the opposing team is doing. I don't think I've ever asked you this. We've talked about scheduling stuff and league construction and whatnot. If you can't answer this question, I get it. But um, do you want less conference games? Just play everybody once and have more non-con games. You want more league games. Where are you on, on kind of schedule structure in general? I, you know what? I mean, there's so many different opinions you know, uh, out there. I, I want to do whatever is going to help the league. Uh, quite honestly, you know, all those folks that are saying, Oh, play 16. So you have more opportunities than non-con. Well, it's impossible to fill the non-con as is. You know, everybody wants, oh, well, if they had two more games, they could find two more high major opponents or quad one. Well, we can't find those in the games that we have. And I think that's what Chris Mooney was saying. It was vocal about earlier on before the season started. It's like nobody wants to play Atlantic 10 teams on the road. It's either a neutral site or you got to go play them either way. So, you know, um, there's so many opinions on it. I want to do whatever is going to continue to raise the profile of the league. Um, I think we're underrated um, ridiculously already. Um, but the fact that, you know, the system is what it is. Like, let's put it this way. We beat St. Louis at St. Louis and we dropped three points in the net. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with wins and losses. If you look at the net rankings of the Atlantic 10 after last week, it made no sense. Teams that won dropped. What? It's about wins and losses at the end of the day. So like teams that we beat a team on the road and went down. How is that even possible? Regardless of how they Thomas were playing, you got a road a, win. Yeah, it's a road win in league. It's a win. How do you drop if you win? It is a flawed system that makes no sense whatsoever. It really does I mean, so I just, I want to do whatever's best for the league. We got really good players in this league, phenomenal coaches in this league, tremendous fan bases in this league. Um, it's about time we're getting the multi-bid respect 
And honestly, I think there's no doubt in my mind. We have three teams right now. It should be a, a, a three-bid league with VCU playing the way they are. There's not a team in the country that I don't think Dayton, VCU, Richmond, or any of us can really beat. But those three specifically right now are playing. Loyola Chicago is playing tremendous. It should be how you're playing right now towards the end of the season, not based off of what you were doing in November. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But whatever. Well, I mean, this I, I don't think makes sense either. So Dayton loses to VCU over the weekend. They won earlier in the week, and they actually go up two spots in the new top 25. And I thought, okay, maybe that's actually people processing the league correctly. But then I don't see Richmond or VCU in the others receiving votes list. And there are schools in there that I feel pretty strongly that those two schools are better than, and they're getting a couple of votes, and these two schools are not. So I don't know how Dayton then benefits by going up two spots, coming off a loss to VCU that nobody thinks is even close to a top 25 team, apparently. It doesn't make any sense, nope. right? So, like, and I don't know what Mike Rhodes is doing. I know Penn State's gotten better. But, for instance, like, they have all these quad one opportunities. But VCU beat Penn State. Like, it, yeah. and I don't, I don't know, like, is is when you play the team where – whether or not they're quad one, quad two, or is it where they end up by the end of the year? So I, I don't, I don't like, it's usually where they are at the end of the year. So you could beat a team that was electric in, in December. And then all of a sudden they have a bad six games to at late February, early March, and you're penalized for that. But when you played them, they were playing as good as anybody in the country. Like, so it's just, again, it's a flawed system. I don't know how you correct it. Um, but the fact that we go on the road and win and drop down literally makes no sense whatsoever. And the kicker is your first Bonaventure meeting, you play, you won that game and took a quad one win away from yourself because they dropped by losing that game. So, yeah. So what? think about that. It, yeah. It's, it's the dumb, it's, it's all set up for, I guess, as many, whatever you want to call power three power. I don't even know what yeah. it is anymore schools to get in, which nobody wants to see, to be honest with you anyway. Uh, I don't know. So you, you're going to tell me a team's going to be under 500 in a power three or four and get in over a team like a VCU. Who wants to see that? What? Yeah. I don't nobody. know. Not me. Nobody. So they're not making decisions based off of the actual, what's best for the game. They're not, they're not. When I know you don't want to jump ahead, but after Bonaventure, you've got Dayton. And along, I guess, these same lines, too, they're clearly a top 25 team. And I don't know many players that are better than Deron Holmes. Um, just give me the quickest mini scouting report of this dude and what worries you the most whenever you play the Flyers, having to deal with him. The fact that, you know, if you try to blitz him, he can pass as well as a guard. Right now, he's shooting the ball from three better than he ever has. So it's not like you can sag off of him to try to pressure him with another five man. He can blow by them. He, he's he's got he's developed um, every facet of his game. So he's really difficult to to decide what you're going to do. You got to try to mix up as many coverages as you can, um, and you know, and and hope for the best. Uh, but the main piece is just you got to try to stay between him and the basket and force him to get tough contested twos and work for his. And then it's like, okay, well, do you blitz him, take the ball out of his hands? Well, they got tremendous shooters all over the place. So do you want him to go for 20 or 25 and try to shut everybody else off? Well, we tried to do that here last year and it didn't work. 
right? And then we thought, okay, how do we adjust it and did a much better job, um, you know, in the, at the Barclays Center. But, you know, Camargo's broke a record for Atlantic 10 tournament play. He, he went 14 for 15 with like 20-something points, made some of the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen. So it's like pick your poison a little bit with a team like them. And they, they got a lot of really good players surrounding him. They're all playing at a high level. Um, so you just got to – you got to try to mix up as many coverages as possible, but he's difficult to stop because he's such a, you know, what I love about him. He, he seems like such an unbelievable human being. Every, yeah. every person you talk to him about him, every uh, story you read about him, he he's earned the right to be this type of player because he's, he's such a, um, an incredible young man on and off the floor. So he's earning the right to be special. And I hope, you know, he reaps all the rewards because he's put in the effort. Now, having said that, I hope, you know, he goes zero for 27 against us, um, turns the ball over 26 times. But then I hope he obviously, you know, has a great game. The rest of his games are great. You know, but you would have thought that he was preseason player of the year, obviously. But right now he's getting a run for his money, right? He's getting a run for his money. The kid came from Richmond. I will go up and say, you know, he, he he's, he's pretty darn good, right? So um, there's a couple of guys in this league right now that are playing – uh, at a very, very high level. So I can't say that he's just going to run away with player of the year, can it? But that in the end, though, that's probably good, right? That's not a knock on him or the league. Like, it's good that, I mean, Jordan King, I know they, in the game after yours, he got eaten up a little bit by VCU, right? But yeah, although, I mean, he, but he looked like Steph Curry in the Bronx. And he's done that multiple times. So it yeah. wasn't like he just did it against us. He He's done that two or three times or more than that already yeah. throughout the year. Um, you know, so... There's some other high-level players in this league that are playing um, like superstars, and um, so I, I, I uh, it is definitely good for the league that he's not just a runaway candidate for Player of the Year, even though he's probably the front runner. I don't know if we're going to talk before you play Duquesne on a Friday night in the Rose Hill Gym on ESPN two, right? Just talk to me about the significance of getting that Friday night. Yeah. big cable stage from the conference. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, that's a testament to the hard work and dedication that our guys and, and our staff have put in over the course of the last three years. Um, we started to develop a little bit more respect to the league and um, the energy that, that Rose Hill brought last year really uh, made an impression on the, on the league and, and uh, an outlet. So, you know, to be able to represent Fordham on a national stage, I think, um, it's such a great honor for, for our program uh, gives us a platform for the institution that I know that, you know, everybody's really excited about and, you know, hopefully um, we can focus on what we can control the next few, few days and few games. And uh, we come into that, you know, that game really, you know, playing at a very high level um, and, and every game matters obviously, but, you know, when you get into late February, into March, you want to be playing your best basketball. And hopefully we are. And as a result, that brings out the energy in the building that we saw uh, last year and what we were capable of accomplishing when this place was not only packed, but rowdy as all hell. Yeah. Back to the fact that, you know, opposing coaches were calling this one of the best environments in college basketball. And we, we're going to need that every night, starting uh, Wednesday night, but certainly um, against Duquesne whenever we play on a Friday night on national television. And I know that you recently saw Ryan Pettis, who you have signed for next year, maybe not yeah. him particularly, but in general, when you're out there talking to anybody, transfer portal, high school kids, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN games matter, do they not? Yeah. 
Oh, they matter an incredible amount. And the fact that they've been watching pretty much every one of our games, you know, and most it's funny, like ESPN too. Yeah. But you know, most of our games are nationally televised, even ESPN, yeah. everybody's got, you know, that pretty much package now. So, you know, they've been watching almost every one of our games and, you know, I was so proud of Ryan Pettis and the performance he put on for senior night, but even more impressed at, um, at the amount of people that came out to support him. It was a testament to, to the, uh, to his family, to his parents and the man, the man they've raised. Um, we are getting a young man who I think is, is just as good off the court as he is on the court. And, you know, Fordham Rams are going to absolutely adore him uh, both on and off the court. He has a tremendous upside with ridiculous length, um, speed, athleticism, vision, ability to score at all three levels, but play extremely hard right now. I mean, he, he already has our, our Fordham attitude and that what's, that's what excites me so much about him uh, joining our program next year. And he's a lefty, right? So probably like just looks cooler. Yeah, there's no doubt. Lefties, I mean, they've always looked cooler in every sport. Name it. You tell yeah. me. Quarterback. What, what is that? I don't understand. I mean, I had to play. I mean, shooting a jump shot. I mean, I, it's it's just for whatever reason, lefties are, you know, they just look better. I don't know. I don't know what now, it is. You're a lacrosse guy. I feel like yeah. you, you both, usually you got to play with both hands, right? So I don't know that there's the cool lefty look in lacrosse like other sports, but I mean, Lefty there quarterbacks. Is. Honestly, is there? there is. There's a big yeah. difference with the lefty. Yeah. Because there's only so many guys that can play on the right side of the cage and the angles with a with a hard left shot. I mean, okay. lefties definitely in lacrosse, they look just as cool as every other sport, quite honestly. Now, when I played, you couldn't tell if I was right or left, but you know, I, they, they, I mean, <laughs> there's definitely a different like skill. Like they just look smoother in every sport. Lefties just look smoother. I don't yeah. know what it is. Me neither. Uh, but I'll say this too. Um, I don't want to get you too far away from basketball and you're pretty busy, but I kind of feel like Fordham should play lacrosse. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt. Obviously Atlantic 10 has got their first lacrosse season. Uh, I believe starting right now, right. This spring to me, having played the sport, knowing what types of schools and environments are, are uh, provide, you know, great lacrosse programs. Fordham is tailor-made um, for a great lacrosse school and to attract some big time lacrosse players. Um, I think they'd be phenomenal. Just need an indoor facility. Hint, hint. All right. Again, our sport indoor brand new facility would be mm. wonderful. Quite honestly, I think we should turn Lombardi into a state of the art practice facility, put a roof over the, the turf in the back, turn that into, you know, obviously football's practice facility, but indoor lacrosse facility yeah. and, and run everything else through that. See, I go deep, uh, personal as a from my high school days being anti Fordham prep. Let's just get Fordham prep off campus. I don't care where they go; doesn't matter to me. And use that space for whatever we want. I disagree with that. I mean, if you're a Fordham prep kid, how cool is it to go to school on campus? Yeah, at Fordham sure, prep, sure, I, whatever. I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's pretty <laughs> awesome, quite honestly. But I definitely think we could put a roof over that turf. That, you know. And that would solve a lot of issues. All right. Well, I'm, while I'm wearing my maroon suit on Wednesday, I'll work the room and see what we can do about that. I appreciate that. Thanks. Let's let's start raising some dollars, please. Coach, you're the best. Uh, best of luck this week. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And please, um, let's try to fill fill the arena. I know fans are frustrated at the moment, but that hasn't deterred the energy, the effort, the work ethic that these guys have put forth. Um, it's going to crack. And when it does, we're not going to look back and we need everybody not only in the building, but getting rowdy. We need that student section standing up, being as vocal and as loud. I mean, we need 
like we just mentioned, we're losing the game at the free throw line. We need opponents to go to the free throw line and having, you know, potential, you know, accidents running down their legs. Please come out, support, and get rowdy. All right, Coach. Go Rams.